This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages. And uh, yeah, yeah, hey, welcome to Talk Back this morning. Under the big top this morning, we do have our, our sponsors, which include Y West Storage, located out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. For pricing and availability, you can get a storage unit right now by calling 406-510-0590 at Y West Storage. They're making room for you. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Offering both residential and commercial cleaning. No job too big or small. So why not give them a call right now? Start the new year right. 406-260-6617. Also brought to you by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it gets, Gomer's has everything you need to make sure your rig starts every time. That's Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service in Missoula, located at Palmer and West Broadway. And also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply, where their mission remains the same, to restore confidence and comfort into your daily life. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Peter Christian. That is Mr. Nick Christensen. How are you? Good morning. Hey. Uh, we have a couple of empty chairs here, but they will soon be filled. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hoping. We're, our, our, our guests are scheduled to be uh, Bob Seidenschwartz and uh, and one of our favorite guests, uh, Peter Stark. He's the adventure historian, and he's been leading us through kind of an historical look at what's going on, what has been going on in American history from the founding all the way up uh, through the 18, into the early 1900s. So uh, we're, we're going to be continuing that journey today. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, he's uh, specifically going to talk about uh, immigration, so that'll be the focus today. Excellent, excellent. Now, I, I got a call from Bob. He's running just a little bit late, so we will uh, we will do our, do our best to fill. I don't know if you had a chance to see the story that uh, we put up yesterday uh, when I visited with uh, with U.S. Attorney for Montana Jesse Laslovich about uh, an individual in Helena. This actually occurred back in 2022. Uh, where uh, this 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 man was bragging to his female coworker that uh, he was just a big bad guy and he was going to uh, uh, shoot up Helena High School, uh, just like like a Columbine style shooting, uh, uh, with with the bombs and the and the guns and the whole bit and the and the the black trench coat and the duffel bag and everything, and so she, uh, being very worried, contacted the Helena Police Department. They began an investigation, got uh, uh, several other agencies involved, and were able to track this individual. And uh, just as he was coming out of his house with a black trench coat and a duffel bag headed for his vehicle, they arrested him. And sure enough, um, he's he's been been charged with all sorts of very serious felonies. Um, chances are he won't be getting out of federal prison for a long, long time, but. Well, what, what, well, I saw he was sentenced to 10 years, right? Yes, yeah. but t- 10 years, but 10 years in a federal prison is actually 10 years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, you serve your full sentence. Exactly. And he had a $250,000 fine, too, if I remember. Right. Yeah. And then after that, there'll be a, a minimum of three years of supervised release. But uh, what, what Jesse uh, really um, tried to emphasize was that in this particular case, that uh, if you see something, say something, probably led to saving Lord knows how many lives, because if this individual had done what he had planned to do, right, 
then um, it, it just would have been would have been horrific. And what did he have in the duffel bags? You didn't mention that. Well, he had, he had firearms. He had uh, uh, all sorts of firearms. He had pipe bombs. He had uh, uh, a, a silencer made out of a an uh, an oil filter that mm-hmm. he had had in there. So yeah. Anyway, very prepared. Yeah, scary <sighs> stuff. Right here in good old Montana. Yep. Can anyway. happen anywhere. Yep. So so he he uh, and one thing that the, even even though the the arrest took place in 2022. Um, uh, Mr. Laslovich was careful to tell me that he has been in custody since his arrest. And so there, he hasn't been bowed on bail or any of that sort of thing. So okay. he's been safely behind bars and has now admitted to the crimes and will be sentenced here in just the next couple of months. So with that, we're, we're going to take a quick break. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. And we are hoping to have with us here in the next few minutes, Bob Seidenschwartz and Peter Stark, adventure historian. We'll be talking about immigration and how that has, has uh, affected this country. So stay with us. We've got uh, Talk Back on the Way. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast in the Town Square Weather Center starting Thursday with some patchy blowing snow. Winds around 20 miles per hour, driving the wind chill down to 13 below. But the winds will subside in the afternoon with highs in the teens. Another shot of snow headed our way Friday. Doesn't look to have much accumulation, especially with highs back to freezing. Otherwise, mostly cloudy for the weekend. A slight chance of snow or rain Saturday afternoon and heading back into those mild winter conditions with highs Let's close to 40 and lows to 30 Sunday into next week. Hey, we are back. This is Talk Back, ladies and gentlemen. And we do have da, 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 the one and only Bob Seidenschwartz. Hey, Bob, how you doing, man? Well, you know, I don't think anybody really wants to know that when I got in the truck this morning, put my nutritious and delicious drink in the wrong part, right next to where the elbow goes. Yes. Boom, there it goes all over the back seat to start the day. Then... After hours of preparing my notes, yes. I'm scrambling. I can't find my notes because who knows where I put them. The garbage is going out. I just clean the driveway off only to have the snowplow come by, push it back into the driveway. <laughs> so, uh, and then the pants had to be changed because there was drink all over the right, pants. Right, the sneakers right. were filled. What else do you guys want to know about my morning? Well, aside from that, you're seeming surprising, surprisingly good spirits. I, well, you know, I, I really had to contain myself, Peter, because my poor wife is upstairs and it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, Bob, take a deep breath. You have to appear to be rational and thoughtful. You're going on the radio. That's very good. So calm down. Call Peter. Tell him I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> you got to get it all out. You just have to get it. So folks, you, you got to get it all How's out. How's your morning? We, we made it. You made it. Good. Yeah, all right. It. We made it. Yeah. Well, look, we have Peter Starr coming in. Yes. Uh, Peter's yes. going to be here at 830. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about immigration. And, of course, that kind of takes its own channel. And, and Well, this such. whole uh, – we don't want to talk about the history of America. It's all right, about immigration. Right. And, and we're going to kind of start with that. We'll do a little kind of uh, uh, prepping here before right. Peter comes in. Right. But I, I, I want to state very clearly for the listeners out there. Okay. I am not in favor – Never have been, never will be uh-huh. of open borders yeah. where we have people coming into the country. We can't document them. We right. don't know where they are or where they're going. But this is an issue that is always throughout our history I, incredibly politicized as well. I have a question. Sure. How how were they able to make the Ellis Island immigration work so effectively? Uh, look, uh, what, was it because the people that were coming in were law-abiding and realizing they had to have certain rules to follow to be able to get into the promised land, uh, yeah, or what? You know, Peter, and great question, because this is one of the things I want to kind of deconstruct with Peter t- 
start today right. is we hear that the rhetoric is incredibly strong and powerful. Of course, we got an election coming up, but we're going to try to provide you some historic perspective, but be brutally honest, too, about was it any different 50 years ago or 150 years ago? And there are some differences. Let's be fair. So when you mention Ellis Island, let's start with geography. Right. We had a funnel. The majority, the overwhelming majority of people that were coming into the country during that, the periods of time that we right. looked at Ellis Island were coming from a very specific region, which was Europe, for the most part. Now, how did they get here from where they were to Ellis Island? Nick, did they swim? Did they fly? <laughs> or did they have to come by boat? Mm-hmm. So we, we had a little bit of a different type right. of controlled right. situation and and we had we had lady liberty saying i lift my lamp well, beside uh, the golden uh, door uh, right uh, I mean, lady liberty aside because yeah. she was mute but she <laughs> did have a rather powerful yes. symbolic representation you bet uh, the people coming in the ports of entry were very specific mm-hmm. and the rules to the point uh, uh, more to the point the rules to these ports of entry were also very specific too now if we had had a massive amount or of influx, and there were various periods, 1890s, early 1900s, we had very substantial amounts of people coming into the country. Make no mistake, it was also problematic to many in this country as well because welcoming certain groups was not on the agenda, but to the point you're making, there was a very specific area. You didn't see a lot of folks coming in through Canada at that time, they weren't coming over landmasses through Mexico. Right. So you have to look at circumstances. That's yeah. the point. You need to consider what was happening at any specific time when you're having a discussion about immigration. And coming coming across the southern border, there really wasn't a southern border uh, at the time. Well, yeah. uh, 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 and what what they would have found coming across the southern border would not have been anywhere near as welcoming as uh, a whole bunch of towns and cities that are there now. Uh, you have to look at that time and put in perspective right. and structure what was the economic situation in the country, what was the political, what was the geographic and demographic. Right. Anyway. All right. Uh, 721 is our number, 1-800-568-530. Now we already have a caller on the line. Let's go ahead and get uh, Catherine. Uh, Catherine, first of all, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? I was just wondering if you were going to, excuse me, address the uh, um, disease portion of this because... Uh, with all these um, <clears throat> people, excuse me, pouring over the border, there's been a, a huge increase in, for instance, measles and uh, uh, all sorts of other diseases that have been coming through that are not that were eradicated and or not endemic to uh, the United States in the first place. And um, I was wondering if you were going to address that at all. Uh, Catherine, we're going to touch on many different points, that being one of them, and it goes back to my original statement. You have to control your borders. There are a number of concerns and issues, whether it was 2023 or 1890. And as to Peter's point early, when people were coming through Ellis Island, they were quarantined in situations where they went through a medical exam and and they found themselves to have certain diseases. They were quarantined for specific periods for, of time. For months at the time, yeah. For months at a time. And that is one of the fundamental issues which is legitimate and concerning to citizens in the United States, as well as it should be to citizens in a country such as Mexico. If you have people coming through there and you have no way of controlling what diseases may have been eradicated, that now yeah. 
due to certain other parts of the world are still in place. You can't ignore this, and this is one of the fights. What what I'm going to try to attempt to do with Peter today is bring a little bit more insight and thoughtfulness to this conversation. Tell you what, Catherine, we're almost up against a break here. What what uh, what else did you like to would you like to add? Um, no, nothing. I just wanted to make sure that that was addressed. Yeah, you good got question, it. Catherine. We certainly will. Catherine, thanks for the call. We're going to come right back, hoping to have uh, Peter Stark with us within the next 10 minutes or so. But we also have Cody waiting. We're going to get to his call right after this quick timeout. Uh, this is the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. We'll be back right after this. Honey, would you? All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be no matter how urban or rural you must always call 811 before any digging project 811 is our national one call number alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site you must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities this includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back, 721-1290. That's our number. I'm Peter Christian. Dick Christensen over there taking your phone calls. Bob Seidenschwartz uh, with the Montana World Affairs Council joining us. And we will be joined shortly by Peter Stark, adventure historian. But we do have folks on the line. Let's get Cody. He's been waiting all the way through the break. Cody, thanks for your patience. Go ahead, sir. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, you know, I, I know the, the primary argument I hear from people that I would say, you know, that are either left or Democrat, they love bringing up the Statue of Liberty where it says, bring me your poor and bring me your needy. You know, I understand that's the case. That was the case 200 years ago when there weren't that many people here. This is not the same country as it was then. This is not the same country. We were not 300, excuse me, $33 trillion in debt. People weren't losing everything from taxes that were being given to every, given to other people. The, the, this is what's happening right now at our border is not immigration. And could you guys please? I, I heard a, a couple of numbers during today's program. Will you guys please bring up how much it is costing us right now in taxes? And, and let nobody, don't anyone 
fool yourself on this. Every penny comes from your tax dollars, be it federal, be it state, be it county, city. These are tax dollars going to support people. And I, I don't even mind a controlled issue, but like you're talking about with an open border, with this wave of millions of people coming in just in the last couple of years, this is not the same thing as a controlled immigration situation that happened 200 years ago. So can you guys please... Yes, Talk I, about I have what, it. What the overall I, 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 I have it right here. Uh, this comes from the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform, a group called FAIR. Uh, the total fiscal cost of illegal immigration on U.S. taxpayers as of the end of 2023 was $150.7 billion. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Cody, there, there is no you question know. that this, we have seen a very large surge of people coming into the country illegally, and, and and this and the situation is demands some response. What what I'm hoping to get to by the end of the show is the fact that preparation and understanding that your structure at times is going to be stressed. You need to get yourself ready to prevent these types of situations because we're playing from behind. Yeah, we're playing catch-up. We're playing catch-up, and that is never the place that you want to be. Actually, we're not playing catch-up. We're playing catch-them. Well, uh, right. <laughs> and, and in many cases, we're not catching people because yeah. once they enter into the country, right. many of them disappear into um, the, the country not to go to the hearings that you're supposed to. No. Uh, so, look, it, it's... It's a complicated, well, convoluted situation. Go, go ahead, Cody. Yeah. Go ahead. So, and is there an estimate? Is there an estimate on how much it's going to cost? Because the people that are staying are receiving entitlement benefits. Is there any estimate on what that's going to cost in years to come? Uh, Cody, I don't have that answer. I and either. I think if we spend some time looking up, there is a cost analysis that's been done in terms of what it takes for the cost for the health care, education, all that goes with it, and then what the economic benefits may be to the U.S. too. So I'm sure that can be debated, and that's open to discussion in terms of is it a positive or a negative. And, and for me personally, it, it's important, but it's not relevant. It's, again, what have you established in terms of your infrastructure, your legal systems, your judicial in terms of the ability to handle what is a current law in terms of when you come to the country, you apply for asylum, and then you go, and you're supposed to show up because we don't have the structure right now. It takes several years for somebody, even to get in front of a judge, to adjudicate whether your asylum case is valid or not. So there's a host of different factors that we're going to hope to cover today. Thank you for taking my call. Cody, Thanks, thank, Cody. Thank, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Let's get Dave on the line. Uh, Dave, good morning. You're on Talkback. Please go ahead. Yes, first of all, border control is really important to me. But, you know, I hear politicians say that, that it's an immediate crisis, but then I, they turn around and say, we're, we're not going to deal with it until Trump is president. Uh, and then there's the other point. You know, I was in Minnesota for, for three weeks in, in a hotel, and uh, the people who ran that hotel, who fed me, cleaned the rooms, they were all immigrants from from the, their voice, because they really didn't speak English. I mean, without immigrants here, I, I assume that practically every motel in, in the United States would have a, a immediate uh, problem with with 
not not enough people to clean the rooms and may and I, take care of this. May I share something with you? Year, years and years sure. ago, I got a job offer to go to uh, Las Vegas, right? So they, they they flew my family down, and we stayed in one of the nice hotels. And I I, I found by just talking with people that various uh, people groups uh, were lot were, were working at each different hotel, right? And so uh, the, the, most of the people who were working in the hotel we were staying at didn't speak any English at all. And that was 20, 25 years ago. So right. the things have not changed that much, Dave. And, and Dave, right. go, to, your, to your point, this is, a, again, a part of the reality. The United States in many of the service industry jobs would not function without both legal or illegal immigrants at this time because they do the work that many in this country do not do. So when the argument is made, it's taking jobs away from Americans. There may be some situations where that has some truth to it. I would say from the research I've done, conversations I've had over the years, that the overwhelming evidence is to the contrary. Now, that does not mean we should accept unabashedly illegal immigration and not having the systems in place. Again, I'm not advocating for that. But this is why this argument gets so very emotional and convoluted at the same time. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks for the call. Well, with that, we're up against another break. Hopefully, uh, Peter Stark's going to be arriving here quickly. Uh, the adventure historian, who's the author of many, many books, and we're looking forward to having him be a part of the conversation here this morning. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. We're coming right back after this time off. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast in the Town Square Weather Center starting Thursday with some patchy blowing snow. Winds around 20 miles per hour, driving the wind chill down to 13 below. But the winds will subside in the afternoon with highs in the teens. Another shot of snow headed our way Friday. Doesn't look to have much accumulation, especially with highs back to freezing. Otherwise, mostly cloudy for the weekend. A slight chance of snow or rain Saturday afternoon and heading back into those mild winter conditions with highs close to 40 and lows to 30 Sunday into next week. Okay, now we can get the party started. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. Peter Stark joining us here in the studio, our adventure historian. And, uh, Peter, welcome. It's good to see you again. Yeah, well, good to see you, too, Peter and Nick and Bob. And um, here's our white Christmas arrived on yes, the 18th yes. of January. Absolutely. Well, a little, a little delay, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. All right, so now, Bob, you, you wanted to start this particular segment by uh, sharing some very interesting uh, statistics and some information here. Yeah. I, wait, wait, Bob, before you do that, I just I just walked in. So what is this segment? Uh, this segment is... What is this segment? <laughs> it's all about immigration. Well, we're we're going to be talking about immigration from an historical standpoint. Okay. Using the context of your research and work uh, over the decades. And, and before we get into that... I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that uh, Peter was an advisor on a very important project that's going to be airing and, and narrated by Kevin Costner. Wow. So well, uh, would, would you tell us just a little bit? It's, it's about American history. It's about American history. Yeah. Well, it's it's been announced that, that it's, it's uh, uh, what I want to say, hosted, sponsored, produced by Kevin Costner mm-hmm. and Doris Kearns Goodwin. And it's a television series called the west it's it's a, a non non-fiction historical um, right. it, 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 in a way a doc it, it, we call it docudrama there there it's interviews with historians mixed with um reenactments okay and so this is this is it's it was announced i don't know almost a year ago but now they're starting to make it and they've 
I feel flattered to be included. And um, You were down in Texas being interviewed for a substantial period of time to get your insight and expertise, and they loved what you did so much that they've invited you back. Well, I hope so. You hope so. so. Yeah, but yeah, they've yeah. at least given indications of interest, right? They've, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. No, it, it, it went well. Yeah, and that speaks to your background and the fact that uh, you've been at this for decades. So we're fortunate today. Let's see where this conversation goes, folks. We're going to do our very best. Yeah, so yeah. L- let me start with some things that I... Um, I just want to set the stage a and little bit. And we do bit. have phone lines open, yeah. just, yeah, go, just in case. Go right. ahead. Legal <laughs> immigrants allowed in the U.S. each year. And this goes back to the different legalities I was alluding to. 675,000 allowed each year, legally. But no set limit on the annual admission of U.S. citizens' spouses, parents, and children under the age of 21. Asylum seeker, a person who has left their home country as a political refugee and is seeking asylum in another. And that's what we see happening at the border right now, is that we literally have a couple of million people that are coming in seeking asylum, where previously they may have just come in looking for work and so forth and so on. But in this case, it's asylum seeking. Qualifications must already be in the U.S. So in other words, you can't seek asylum if you're in Venezuela right now. you got to get to the U.S., which is that partly responsible for this wave that we're seeing right now, too, that you have to be here to seek asylum. And believe her, you're in danger of persecution if you return to your country. Must be able to demonstrate that you were persecuted and have fear of persecution. Now, this is as of when? This is this is right now. Okay. In your right home now. country. These are some of the qualifications due to race, religion, nationality, social group, political opinion. So we're just looking at what the legalities are that if you are seeking asylum, you have to qualify for. Now, I went back and looked at some immigration acts, and it's a 14-page History of Immigration oh, oh, Act. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Nationality Act of 1790. This was the first law to define eligibility for citizenship by naturalization and establish standards and procedures by which immigrants became U.S. citizens. I hope you're all taking notes, ladies and gentlemen. Well, in the early version, Congress limited this important right to free white persons. So yep. anybody else, you did not get even included in this. Alien and Sedition Act, 1798. Congress enacted deportation laws targeting persons deemed political threats to the United States in response to conflicts in Europe. Now, that's in 1798. You know, fast forward to 2024, and we are looking at threats coming from other countries and issues arising from a host of different factors. So, is it different? Or just another period of time that we're dealing with this. Indian Removal Act. During the presidency of Andrew Jackson, that great Indian fighter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this law authorized the confiscation of land from Native Americans and provided resources for their forced removal west of the Mississippi River. So I could go on and on and on. Chinese Exclusion Act. People, that, that's a big one. Yeah, People versus Hall. Um, this was kind of interesting. California Supreme Court case ruled that testimony of a Chinese man who witnessed a murder by a white man was inadmissible. Denying Chinese alongside Native and um, African Americans to the status to testify in courts against whites. So, folks, what I'm telling you is there's a long history of different legal statutes. And we haven't even got started. And we yet. haven't even gotten started. So I don't want to go down through this. We can maybe cover some of this uh, Immigration Restriction Act, 1894, increasing immigration mainly from Southern and Eastern Europe 
Now, we know who those people are, right? Countries, along with a series of economic downturns, again, fear of what immigrants coming in, taking jobs, or at least the perception. Wait, wait in that one, the, the in the Southeastern um, Europe Act, was that restricting the number of people from that region or encouraging people from that region? Increasing immigration, mainly from southern and eastern yes. European countries, along with a series of economic downturns, fueled nativist fears. Okay. And the founding of the Immigration Restriction League okay. by three influential Harvard graduates. All right. With that, we're up against <laughs> yeah. a break. So, yeah, uh, it, it's just like we're reading today's paper. Uh, anyway. oh, oh, yeah. Very much so. We're, we're going to yeah. come right back. The phone lines, of course, are open. 721-1290 is our number. Peter Stark joining us along with Bob Seidenschwartz, special edition of the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. I'm Peter. That's Nick. And we would love to have you be a part of it if you'd like to, or you can just sit back and listen and enjoy. We'll be right back. Retirement Outlook. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Talk Back, special edition of the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. I'm Peter Christian. The questions and taking your phone calls. Bob Seidenschwartz uh, uh, ramrodding everything. And our special guest in the studio, adventure historian Peter Stark. And we want to go right to the phones and stay faithful to our callers. So, Maureen, uh, thank you for holding. You're on with our guests. Go ahead, please. Well, good morning. I just wanted to let you know that I have heard several times on Newsmax that the estimate for the illegal um, aliens will be over five hundred billion with a B dollars to dollars to taxpayers. Yeah. And now, is is that over an extended period of time, or uh, from from the time that that we first started counting, or what? They didn't specify. Oh, okay, but yeah. I had heard it several times. That, yeah, Maureen, this is Peter. Uh, thanks for calling. And yeah, an interesting point. Uh, essentially, you're raising what, what's the economic burden on the U.S. of of illegal aliens. And, you know, in my just gut feeling, 500 billion is way high. I mean, I'd be interested in what Newsmax's source is is for that and what years are they talking about if they're talking for the next hundred years or the last hundred years are we what, talking from the beginning of the country uh, until, uh, until now until now yeah. so but but the point no, i mean no, it's I, it's a valid point that you know that there's an expense involved uh, go ahead go ahead marie yeah. oh i was just going to say uh, i would guesstimate they're talking about through the biden administration through this period of time so okay. yeah, okay. So well, Thanks, that, that, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a legitimate, legitimate question, and um, I, I think what I'd say we're talking about this in historical context, and that it, it'd be really interesting to understand what uh, what expenditure the U.S. has made to welcome immigrants in in the past. Now, Maureen's talking about illegal aliens. Um, and, you know, I suspect that could include social services or how, you know, and law, various Don't things. forget law enforcement. And law enforcement, yeah, right. law enforcement. Crime interdiction. Um, I mean, there's a host there, of different a host factors of things. that go into that equation. Uh, yeah. You're so, so it's, I mean, it's, yeah, definitely a legitimate point. Um, and, but it's one, it's also one that's been, we've been dealing with for 200 well, years. Well, as I tried to, just by naming a few, I mean, I have a host of different acts that were put in place that could be addressing the very questions we're getting today. Because mm-hmm. people felt economic stresses. Yes. And those economic stresses always tend to be a trigger. And I know we got a caller. We need to be sure that. Let's, uh, let's get Steve on the line. Steve, uh, good morning. You're on with Peter and Bob. Go ahead, please. Hey, folks. How are you? Hey, um, I had a quick question for you. I, I, I believe there's 
two things that's going on here, and I'm curious if you all agree, but there is, there seems to be, and this is, a, a, you know, these policies are driven by the Democrats, let's be honest, um, and it seems to me to be a ploy to generate more voters, um, given that what we're seeing in New York City and things like that, where illegal immigrants are actually going to be allowed to vote in municipal elections. And I'm curious, though, if you think this ploy is going to backfire on the liberal elite Democrat class, because a lot of these folks who are immigrating here, when I you know hear the countries they're from, they tend to be from probably more religious, more conservative uh, places. And I, I'm just curious if you think this approach that the Democrats have to generate these additional voters to ensure their power and hold on the country continues, um, do you think it might backfire on them? Thank you. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry what, your name again? Steve. Steve, Steve. Uh, thanks for the call, Steve. Yeah, I mean, interesting question. You, there's a, a lot of that kind of um, rumor in the air that that illegal uh, aliens, illegal immigrants are uh, a, a vote a vote packing scheme on the part of, I mean, I, I suppose you could say whatever party, but the Democrats in, in particular – um, I I think it, in at this point I don't see any evidence whatsoever of that. I mean that there's you know what's that's that's a speculation that the Democrats are somehow encouraging illegal immigration to 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 get votes into the system. Well, if if, if I if I could just in, insert something just locally, yeah. all right. Uh, yeah. Brad Bradley Seaman is a friend. He's he's, okay. he's the uh, Missoula County Elections Administrator, right? Okay. And whenever we talk about going into the elections, uh, well, uh, people have to register to vote. Here's how to register to vote. If you're not registered to vote, you can't vote uh, because each each ballot is compared against the voter rolls, and if they don't, if they're not registered, they the ballot gets thrown out. So if someone is an illegal alien and not uh, a citizen of the United States, then chances are, I mean, they they might try to vote, but I'm not sure if that vote would be. I realize there are all sorts of conspiracy theories. We're gonna we're gonna squeeze them in somehow because we need the votes and that sort of thing. But um, if 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 our county is like any other county in this country, I I don't know how that would happen. Well, yeah, I I agree. And maybe with that. I'm just being naive. Yeah. Well, I, I mean that it's. You know, you could go try and register illegally and try to vote, and I'm about a hundred percent sure it's not going to work. It, and well, it, it, even though there's a widespread conspiracy out there that you can, it's an easy thing to do. That the actual, you know, we, we don't have to rehash the 2020 election. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I, you know, the the actual evidence of of real fraud was so tiny. Um, and there's also the kind of underlying premise that. Many of the people that do come into this country illegally, do they want to reveal themselves? Right. From the situation of coming forward, participating, having to show idea things, of which, look, we know there's malfeasance out there. But I have yet to hear any investigative reporter actually say that as a result of a massive surge of illegal immigration, that somebody has benefited from a voting standpoint for a particular candidate of a specific state. Now... Maybe this happens in the future, but if that's what the Democrats are attempting to do or the liberal elite are attempting to do, they're not very smart because it's turning into a disaster 
with the negative press, the negative stories, and the actual effects. So there's got to be a more elegant way to do that without ruffling as many feathers as it appears to be. Well, well, that actually, Steve was asking exactly that question. Yeah. And would it backfire? I mean, I, th- I think it would backfire. I don't I don't see any evidence that it's happening, but I think it could, if it were, it could. Steve, right. Steve, we're up against a break. Any, any, any final comments or questions? Oh, he's gone. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say he, he has a follow-up, so we oh, can either do it now okay. or after the break. We, we, we will do a break, Steve, and uh, give you a chance to give you a follow-up question. We're going to come right back. Uh, phone lines are open, by the way. Our guests here in the studio, Bob Seidenschwartz and Peter Stark, back right after this. And a World Affairs Council on the radio, Bob Seidenschwartz, Peter Stark joining us, uh, Nick Questions, and taking your phone calls. And Steve, thanks for holding through the break, sir. What, what, else, uh, what else would you like to add? No, I apologize. I probably should have hung on for a minute. Um, the, the the comment that one of the guests made about there not being any evidence of this, I just wanted to point to Burlington, Vermont, and that's where my question originated from as well as New York City. But in Burlington, Vermont, right now, today, I mean, you can just Google it, they have voted to allow non-citizens who are in the country illegally to vote in local elections. I mean, you'll find article after article, news article about this as recent as this week. So... Um, that's that's my where my question wow. comes yeah. from. I mean, you look at a place like Vermont, which is ultra liberal, ultra liberal elite, and you know you have to wonder if that's going to spread um, as that established precedent within you know a place like Vermont, right? Uh, Bernie Sanders' home territory, and so uh, I just wondered. Uh, about that from the guest. There is evidence of it, though, to be clear, guys. Yeah. Well, really wait, 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 let me, I'm the guest who said yeah. that. So let, let me, let me, I'm Peter. Yeah. So, yeah, Steve, that, that thanks for, you Hi, know, Peter. bringing up that point. Um, and that, uh, you know, I didn't know that about Burlington. I, you know, that is a, a, kind of an eye opener that, that, um, and I, you know, I'm trusting your sources that that's, that's going on. Whether, and I think it's a good point, could that spread nationally? And yes, I think, you know, that's a totally valid point. Um, I, you know, maybe it'd be interesting just to. It, look it also that becomes up. a very powerful oppositional talking point to say, wait a minute. Yeah. You guys are now allowing more people who are here illegally and you're giving them the right to vote. To Steve's point earlier, when he said, could there be a backlash? Yeah. These are the type of situations if it becomes too prevalent. I can't, I can see a place where it becomes very much. And does have a backlash to it. No, and yeah. st- Steve, the the voters that you're speaking of in in Vermont he's, are he's they not on? Oh, oh. He, he's gone. Well, I mean, I wonder if I wonder okay. if they're. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just looking at this right. This is oh, yeah. uh, from a uh, from a website called Verify, and it says undocumented immigrants are allowed to vote in local elections in some municipalities. Uh, that other non-citizens cannot vote for federal or state offices, but they are being allowed to vote for local offices in more than a dozen. Uh, municipalities nationwide. Yeah. Okay. So, so, Peter, when things like this happen, and it kind of goes back to the origin of what we started. There's a whole history of something happening that people go, whoa, wait a minute, time out. And then you see legislation or you see pushback or you see laws and it can go up the whole chain from the local right to the Supreme Court where decisions are made, where ultimately it could become, no, if you're here illegally. We have had challenges to this and ergo, you cannot vote. In elections because you are not a U.S. citizen or laws can be reversed. This is this arc that we're talking about. Well, I, I think it's also a key point that Peter, Kristen, what you're just, you know, reading from the, the, the verification website. So undocumented, um, immigrants can vote in local elections. So that 
and not state and not federal. So that comes back to what we've talked about this in other shows, but this whole you know, constitutional balance between uh, local control and federal control. Mm-hmm. So can the feds say to the, to the town, I mean, whatever town it is, no, you can only allow U.S. citizens to vote, you know, register, uh, uh, certified U.S. citizens to vote in your local elections. Can the, can the federal government do that? That's a very good question. And, and and so these are all these these huge issues. I I, I re, and I realize we've got about a minute and a half here. I realize that I would I would imagine most uh, uh, federal agencies uh, want, want to give as much uh, latitude to local municipalities uh-huh. as they can, right? But at, at some point, uh, you have to be able to say, you know what, that's 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 below the level of of citizenship. Yeah, you need to be a citizen, a registered U.S. citizen, in order to be able to vote. I mean, just vote. So, anyway. We're going on break. No, no. But oh, we, oh, sorry. We, we, okay. We, we, oh, have, okay. we have one more minute. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to have, a, have the floor. <laughs> no, um, so, but but that's, uh, that just what we, what Bob has been saying and, and Steve said, in effect, you know, is this, can something like this cause a backlash? You know, that, okay, now that, you know, fear maybe partly based in fact, partly rumor, is out there that these illegal immigrants are coming in and voting and taking over our elections and voting for the Democrats or the Green Party or, who, you know, whatever the theory is. And that is just so consistent with historical patterns in the U.S. since its founding. Right. And when there's an influx of immigrants... There's a backlash against those immigrants. We're, we're going to come right back. We have another hour to talk about all this, and we'd love to fill up the phone lines with you folks. Give us a call, 721-1290. Difference of relief. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Talk Back for this Thursday. Brought to you this morning by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it gets, Gomer's has everything you need to make your make sure your rig starts every single morning. Uh, located at Palmer and West Broadway, Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. Why West Storage? Out of the Y at uh, Two Smokes Way. Call for pricing and availability to get your storage space. 406-510-0590. Because at Y West, they're making room for you. Also brought to you by Harrington surgical supply. Appointments are preferred for mastectomy, fittings, and custom compressions, but walk-ins are always welcome. And also by Phillips Janitorial Residential and Commercial Cleaning with no job being too big or small. It gets your satisfaction guaranteed 100% by calling 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Hey, welcome back everybody. Glad to have you along. It's a special edition of the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. I'm Peter Christian. Nick Christensen is producing Talk Back this morning, taking phone calls. Joining us here in the studio, uh, Bob Seidenschwartz with the Montana World Affairs Council and his special guest, adventure historian Peter Stark. Gentlemen, let's kick this thing off. And then, of course, we have folks waiting on the line. So go ahead. Okay. Well, I, I like that, the, you know, that um, uh, what do I want to say. Release that the opinions here are not the opinions of the radio station. <laughs> the, the opinions of the guests here are not it, the opinions of the radio station. It's but I called say, a disclaimer. Uh, yeah, dis- that's what I, think. <laughs> I like the disclaimer, and I thought, oh yeah, the opinion of the guest here is not the opinion of the guest. It's my personal disclaimer. <laughs> 
I, in other words, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, the, I, the, I don't know what I'm talking about, disclaimer. No, I'm, I'm, I know somewhat what I'm talking about. So uh, a couple of points. Uh, last night, I lying in bed with my laptop as the snow came down, um, I, I went over some immigration tables pretty carefully. On, you know, that, that are on the internet and they're legitimate immigration tables. And the, the one that really caught my eye, uh, you know, cause I tried to sift this out in terms of statistics. What percentage of the U.S. population have immigrants, uh, constituted in every decade? So that, that, you know, if there's a decade where really high immigration is uh, comes in, what percentage of the U.S. population is that is that decade? Um, the, the number of people, the number of immigrants in that decade, what is that proportion percentage of the U.S. population? So it was really interesting that you know in the earlier years of the country it wasn't it wasn't very high. You know, it was down in the single digits. Then between 1860. So it's just kind of Civil War era. And 1930, the, it, it, it goes up to the double digits, up to 14, almost 15 percent per decade. So essentially that would be, um, yeah, every decade, 15 percent. Uh, the American population is more, more or less added to 15 percent. Right, foreign born. Yeah. And so that's that's. The, the the high numbers are 1860 to 1930, and then it's really funny that, that I would think in the like in the 50s, you know, once post World War II, they would start going up again, but they don't. They they stay low, and my part of my theory was it has to do with Cold War, you know, um, uh, barriers to to international movement. And then 60s still low, 70s is when they start coming up, and then 80s, 90s. Up to today, and so we're at. I, I'm, I'm thinking we're around twelve or thirteen percent in the most recent decade. Bob, probably that's about 13.6 13, 13. percent. So, so, to your point, there's nothing extraordinary about what we're going through right now. What you have to do to get perspective is ask yourself what was happening during those decades. That's what's in the 1860s, 70s, 90s, up to about 220, and then of course what's happening now to get understanding of events, not just internally. But externally. externally, and so that so that what, what really struck me is it, the the trend was so clear. I mean, just to my tired eyeballs, it was very yeah. very clear. And that the you know one, I, I'm, I was surprised how how little immigration there was in the in the early 1800s as a proportion of population. And then starting in 1860, well, that's when you really get kind of the industrial revolution and and America America's economic might starts cranking up. And, and they were right smack dab in the middle of a civil war. It, well, it, well, that's where you know they built the trains right, and whatnot. Right. And but I, it, it's that whole decade. So I, I don't know how many people immigrated during the civil war. Um, of course, we have our famous governor Thomas Marr. I think he he was one of those guys. Right. Um, it, but then then the seventies, so eighteen uh, seventies. So all the the U.S. economy is then the country is really building in nineteen. 19- 30, it drops off. Why, why would it, it? I mean, it makes total sense. It's the, it's the depression. And right. like nobody shows up. And same thing, World War II. You want to go to America? No, thanks. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, there, and I think there's also a barrier because when people don't have work in this country, as in during the depression, there's a high sensitivity to letting in more immigrants who could potentially take jobs. 
So, so that's a that there are the dynamics at work here. We can kick this around like why in the since the seventies has it opened up more, but I I want to do make one. It's, there's almost kind of a footnote point to all this, but it's very um, kind of a vivid example. So from all this, you know, I've done all this really early American uh, research for my various books. But in the early days, even before the revolution, there was this real concern among the British colonists about papists coming in. And a papist being a member of the Catholic Church. And there was a huge paranoia about those people. And so you can see how, you know, from simply uh, someone who follows the pope... Has was an was an, an alien force, a, a scary force coming in to the different generations of where the where the fear has been projected, uh, you know, German against Germans, against um, against Italians, against against Jews, against this, against that. Um, it's but it start it starts with the the papist. <laughs> All right, we're going to come right back, and we do have uh, folks waiting on the line. We appreciate more to give uh, uh, Peter a chance to open things up, and we're going to have Dave and Harry uh, weighing in. Uh, by the way, that we have lots of phone lines open. If you have a question or a comment, uh, give us a call, 721-1290. We'd love to get you in, uh, uh, into this conversation uh, with Peter Stark and Bob Seidenschwartz after this. You want the best. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast in the Town Square Weather Center starting Thursday with some patchy blowing snow. Winds around 20 miles per hour, driving the wind chill down to 30 13 below, but the winds will subside in the afternoon with highs in the teens. Another shot of snow headed our way Friday. Doesn't look to have much accumulation, especially with highs back to freezing. Otherwise, mostly cloudy for the weekend, a slight chance of snow or rain Saturday afternoon, and heading back into those mild winter conditions with highs close to 40 and lows to 30 Sunday into next week. We're back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. All right. We're having a great conversation this morning with Bob Seidenschwartz and uh, our guest, Peter Stark, adventure historian. Let's get right back to the phones. Dave, uh, sorry to make you wait. Thank you. Go ahead. What's up? First, a, a, a little quick story. Um, I, there's a story out there that that an individual uh, stole a mail-in ballot and voted and... Um, when it when it was discovered, the FBI was in, and the whole it was a big deal. So, so people avoid doing it, doing any bad things during election cycles because the FBI will come looking for you. But as far as uh, uh, immigration, I, I as I understand it, uh, during the Bush uh, recession and and that immigration slowed down, that that people realized that. In, in down down south, that there weren't jobs here, so they stayed away. And I'm curious what you discovered on that. Okay, thanks for the call, Dave. Yeah, you're, thank you, Dave. You're absolutely correct, and it goes to the point that Peter is making that if you look at this from an historical perspective, is you need to know what was happening at that time, not just in the U.S. but globally. Where were the pressures that may have caused people? And stresses for dislocation, and you made a, a great observation. 1860s uh, up until the you know Great Depression, the country was expanding rapidly industrially. You wrote your book, Astoria, John Jacob Astor. Right. If you read that book, and I encourage people to, it's a great story. It really discusses what was happening in terms of the very points that we're making here right now in the country. 
and it, and it's so it really does go in in, in cycles or yes. waves that yeah. it's 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 very clear and it's interesting, Dave. Good, I mean, good good point about the Bush recession, which I didn't get into that level of detail, but that makes total sense mm-hmm. that that it would slow down during that era. Um, and that I, you know, and I during think, COVID as well, and during COVID, we, yeah. we, well, there was there were legal, but there was also economic drop offs as people weren't working, so you weren't coming in because the jobs weren't there. And I, I think one of the what a lot of the concern with with reason, you know, I don't argue that our immigration system is, is not it's it's not broken. I mean, it is broken. It's broken. Yeah, it's broken. I mean, yes. there's just no doubt about it. And and because it's just such a mess, we were talking about this on the on the break. But at the border in El Paso and these cities and and you know just sanitation and just it just seems a mess. And so that has to be dealt with. And I mean, we can talk for hours about, about that, um, which we, we don't necessarily have to do, but it's. But the federal, the federal government considers that a local problem. How so? Well, if they're in El Paso, it's your problem. I mean, uh, this is your city. Take care of these folks. Yeah, but it's the federal system that's responsible yeah. for bringing people in, getting names, information, and right. pushing and pushing them through the system yeah, yeah. to where and, ultimately they then, if they do, get in front of a judge to assess the legitimacy of their request for asylum. And it, one of the things that, that uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to go too deep into the politics because <laughs> it makes us all crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm more interested in the historical arc. But um, that... that it, there's been an attempts to f- fix this immigration system for some decades now, and it's just at a political impasse with yeah. with both parties, and it's it's almost as if their their interests in both parties to have it not work that there's more political hay to be made in some ways for having it not work than for having it work. Well, look, 2024, we have a major election in November. It's in my interest to show your inefficiency and incompetency in what you've done and continue to hammer you day after day after day with stories and pictures, legitimate as they may be. Are they a regurgitation of the same photo being, you know, again and again? But I'm going to give you holy hell for what I perceive as bad immigration policies causing distress and dislocation and economic loss. Yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm going to harangue you for being an unfeeling you know, exactly. Thank right. you, Peter. Okay. Yes. My humanitarian right. uh, concern let's, is only that big. Let, let, <laughs> let, let, let's get Harry on. He's been okay. waiting quite okay. a while. Okay. Harry, good morning. Thanks for holding. Go ahead, please. Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I'm glad you pointed out the percentage thing as opposed to numbers. I was, that was one of the things I was going to ask about because, you know, they always well record numbers, but then percentage-wise what it is, and I'm glad you pointed that out. But uh, also, it just seems to me throughout history, uh, this nation, maybe other nations, that uh, immigration is a great fo- political football. I mean, you you pointed out that, and it's you know we have our sort of this myth that we are so welcoming, but you know we haven't been always that welcoming, as you pointed out. Even in, in uh, my lifetime, I remember when the Hmongs came over from Vietnam. You know, the, on the surface, oh well, we we want to accept them, but the, you know they're under there's the undertide of all. Oh, better watch out; they're going to eat your dogs. You know, I mean, there are all these these you know things about how you know horrible these people are going to be and. So I mean, it's uh, I, and right now, just just what you said. Now it is a political thing, and you're going to hear a bunch of people call in, and it's all political, and that, you know, pointing fingers. Well, you know that these people, 
hate, uh, they want to bring them in for whatever, you know, uh, nefarious reason. But it's, to me, I, I again, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I just look at them as, as people looking for a better life. And they, you know, they're human beings like us. So the, uh, well, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, well, your, your, your train of thought's been good, Harry. I, I, you know, I, you, all those points are really good ones. Yeah, you're, you're pointing out what what I'm not, according to Peter, which is a humanitarian. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it does frame the discussion in terms of what we're trying to do here. And thank you, Harry. Today is Thanks to the give call. the perspective that you just outlined very well, which is there has been throughout our entire history. The very type of issues we're dealing with today and the type of legislation and Supreme Court cases that we have been dealing with since 1790. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and as Harry put it, it's, it's also a political football. At, Always has at, been. At, 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 and especially at certain times. Right. By, by the way, Bob was asking about the replacement rate. Right. right? I, I've looked it up here. The, the replacement rate, meaning each woman would on average need to have 2.1 children for a generation to exactly replace itself. In 2022, the U.S. fertility rate was around 1.7. And the reason we're still growing in the United States, whether you like this or not, folks, is because of immigration, legal and illegal. But what we want to do is get this to some kind of thoughtful structure that doesn't cause so much disruption in our brains. But the reality is the United States would have all sorts of economic issues and labor issues if we weren't having people coming into this country. We're going to come right back, and we have Cody uh, back with us. He's going to uh, weigh in. We also have several other phone lines open at 721 or 1-800-568-5309. Our guests here in the studio, Bob Seidenschwartz with the Montana World Affairs Council, Peter Stark, adventure historian. And uh, we're having a great conversation. We hope you'll uh, join us. We'll be right back after this. Oh, thank heavens we don't have Facebook Live anymore. <laughs> well, let's just say we have a rich conversation. I really like that, that you don't have it going on. Well, okay, we are back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. Peter Stark, Bob Seidenschwartz joining us. We have a whole bunch of folks on the, on the phone. We don't want to make them wait, so let's jump right in. Cody, uh, good morning. You're on TalkBack. Go ahead, sir. Well, thank you for taking my call again. I, you know, I, I got... I'm listening to the program today. I just happen to be in a work position where I can. And, and Bob, I'm, this, this question is for you, but anyone else who's, I guess, on the on the other side of this argument. You started out your argument in the, about the history of immigration by citing some examples of racism and white supremacy, basically. And and now you just say that this is a this is a matter of human. Uh, oh, I just lost. I just lost the terminology. Uh, Remind me what you just said a few minutes ago. This oh, is a matter of what? Well, uh, Cody, I started out not talking about white supremacy in the way that I think it's being presented right now. I was just citing various immigration acts going back to 1790. So I'm just reading acts that have been put in place in the United States. You draw your own conclusions. The The act that uh, I had cited was the Nationality Act of 1790, not the Bob Seidenschwartz Act of uh, 1790, that Congress limited this important right to free white persons so anybody else was excluded. Now, we're just talking about historical context here, Cody. And and I'll let Peter address some of this because we've had a lot of wrongs that we've righted. So I'm not trying to... You know, compartmentalize or put white supremacy. My, my problem is that doesn't have anything. My problem is that doesn't have anything to do with the crisis going on. No, I, actually, well, Cody, well, I, 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 I disagree with you, 
and I'll let Peter address this, but I disagree. Hence the reason I cited a number of these types of legal acts that were part of our history. Peter, if you want to address that. Yeah, I mean, Cody, thanks for raising that point. Um, and, I, you know, I think definitely some people feel that way, the, the way you yeah. do. Um, and I, I think, yeah, as Bob said, it's not it's – not, we're not talking about white supremacy – we're talking about the simple fact of, of of the foundation of the United States and its ongoing history. And I, the, I think one of the main points we're trying to make in this historical discussion is that immigration is a changing thing. And over the, over the decades, immigration to the United States and part of the, the, the changing part of the equation is that how – U.S. citizens feel about immigrants coming in, right? And that changes too. So at certain times, there's there's been a fear of of too many Germans coming in. I was saying earlier, at, at a, way early, you know, way early in the even in the pre-revolution era, there was a fear of Catholics coming in, and so that there's always this kind of fear of Tension. we're being overrun, and so that has everything to do with this moment because. We are dealing with a moment like that right during, now. So my question is, during any of those times, were we $33 trillion in debt? And most of that going to entitlements to people who are unable to, to, to provide for themselves. Humanitarian was the reason, was the, was the term you guys used a little while ago. I don't understand why it's so important for so many people, especially on the Democratic and the liberal side, why, it's, why they feel like it's their humanitarian responsibility to take money from me and other people and give it to whom they deem needy. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, thanks for the call. Gentlemen, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, Peter, you uh, we were kind of joking around in terms of humanitarian, but there is definitely that component that you would find on the Democratic side that says we have a responsibility. It is a humanitarian crisis. Is people coming? That's where we have our differences. That's where we have our debates. I mean, I get it, Cody. I've said 150 times in my years on this show, I'm very concerned about our national debt. And yet we still have to deal. Well, you, with, you, you deal in that sector. I, in your, I deal in, in, in that sector. Business. But what, what, what we're trying to do is not dismiss those concerns here, but put into context, these are the tensions that we deal with politically within our own country right now. Let's go ahead and get another call in. This is uh, Kathy. Kathy, good morning. Thanks for holding. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Thank you guys for taking my call. Um, it's really kind of interesting that um, you guys are talking about the um, history of this and that it has happened in, in our past history. Um, and ironically, um, I do a lot of genealogy, and in doing so, I ran across a couple of articles um, regarding Ben Franklin and his distaste for immigrants. And there's a really interesting article online called Benjamin Franklin on German immigrants to the colonies. And, and it hits a lot on what Peter was talking about with the um, concern over German immigrants coming in as well. And so um, I was calling in or trying to call in with this information before you guys got onto it. But, yeah, you hit right on it. And I think it is really interesting that it has happened in our past as well. And um, the concern Benjamin Franklin seemed to have was that um, a lot of the Germans moving in and probably some of the other nationalities, that they were keeping their own language, keeping their own um, beliefs and and uh, methods of living and weren't conforming to the United States or the colonies at that time. Um, language and that sort of thing. So that's where 
some of his concerns kind of came in. But anyhow, thank you for doing this. This is a very interesting talk show, and thank you so much for taking my call. Think, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Peter, Peter has, has some things he wants to say. We're up against a break. I'm, I'm the, I'm the commercial sheriff, so I got to jump in here and play a few commercials. We're going to come right back and, and get Kathy's question answered. We also have Joe Wingnut and Maureen. All waiting to get in on this special edition of the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. Great topic, and you guys make it so much richer. We'll be right back after this. Okay, we're back on Talk Back. All right, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, you wanted you wanted to oh, comment. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, Peter um, Stark. That um, Kathy, thanks for that that call. That's such a, that's such a great point that that uh, that you especially that you bring up Ben Franklin and. And German immigration. I didn't know the Ben Franklin part. I knew the German immigration part. But here's a curious connection that Ben Franklin was from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and he was a Quaker. And, and the, you know, the Quakers were, were old, old English, you know, their own sect. And then at a certain point, a lot of Germans started to immigrate to Pennsylvania and they became known as the Pennsylvania Dutch. Used to because they speak Deutsch, Germans do, and that got kind of turned around. So they're Pennsylvania Dutch, and at one point on these stats I was looking at last night, the one that blew me away was that it's it was like the state, you know, immigration by state in I don't know in certain decades, but way back there, and you know most states had you know five or six percent of this and this and that, and then you all of a sudden you hit. Pennsylvania, 33% Germans all of a sudden crashing in. And so Ben Franklin is like, what's happening to my culture? What's happening to my people? And so it's it's really a very uh, vivid example of what, what the cycle goes through. So Ben's thinking this way back then, and callers and many people in the country are thinking the very same thing. How many times have we heard, this is not my America anymore? Yeah, this is not my Quaker Pennsylvania. This is anymore. not my Quaker Pennsylvania. Okay, let's All get, those Dutch Germans. Are let, here. Let, let's get let's get right back to the phones. Uh, we have two other individuals. Joe has been waiting. Joe, thanks for holding. Go ahead. You're on Talkback. Oh, our phone's not working. Hello. I just said, Peter, our phone's not. Yeah, working. Yeah, I, I, I see yeah, that. I'm just. Uh, oh, so we're trying to get Wingnut on. Neither neither button's working. Ah, that's not good. Okay. It's dead. Oh, so my goodness. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Well, yeah. So well, do we even know that this is now going out to... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're on the air. It's just that the phone lines did, aren't working. Did you guys not pay your bills? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Don't look at me, <laughs> man. What's up here? <laughs> my tax dollars, not at work. <laughs> you know, one, one thing that... Until we get the phones fixed. Yeah. I, I will tell you. There, there was a time, I remember reading when the, the uh, America was in its infancy and, and the, the, uh, it was the Congress or the Senate or whatever, whatever it might have been, was uh, somebody wanted to spend money uh, uh, on rebuilding a, a building that wasn't necessarily involved in the government. And there, there was hue and cry, no, no, we, we can't do that because once we start doing that, we start funding everything that everybody wants. And little did they know that we would end up being what? How many trillions of dollars in debt paying for things that tax dollars are not necessarily designed for? Peter, I would say that's a very successful arc because look how well we've done from almost zero debt to thirty-three trillion. <laughs> we've done a hell of a job of right. growing our debt. So, so we're good. All right, let, let, let's see if we can get Joe on the line. Joe, good morning. I think we got it. Okay, go ahead, sir. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I'm not so much concerned about the difference in the race, but I am concerned about the uh, cartels. And there's 1.9 million Godaways. These are people who uh, did not register at the border to be processed and then get free transportation and hotel rooms and food. And But why did they not register? Because now they haven't been fingerprinted. So anyway, my prediction is that there will be terrorist acts and the uh, cartels are coming into our country and it's going to be a much more dangerous country. Not not that their skin color is different. You know, that's not the point. And I do support the impeachment of Mayorkas. And I could go on and on, but you can, uh, I'd, if I could listen on the line. Okay, all right. Okay, so yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll thanks, leave you on Joe. to listen. Thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks Joe. Go ahead. Gentlemen. Okay, um, oh yeah, well, Joe, I, again, you know, good point. Um, who's coming in to this country it is... This is something I don't know about the current immigration you know, system, such as it were, such as this is or isn't. Um, as we were saying, I, I mean, I think it's it's broken. So the you know these people who are coming in that you're you're saying that millions, one point nine million or something, are coming in from cartels. Well, I mean, one, I, I don't know where that 1.9 million figure comes from. He and may be I, talking about the amount of people that are coming in illegally. Illegally. Yeah, okay. not, uh, not actually 1.9 million cartel members. And there is no question that the cartels are making staggering amounts of money off of finding ways to send through sex trafficking, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, uh, drugs, you, and, drugs, uh, you name it. And, and I said at the very beginning of the show, Peter, when you, you know, uh, had yet to arrive, this is a problem. An open border, as we tend to have it right now, is a disaster for so many people. And this feeds and fuels the profitability of these cartels that just keeps exasperating the situation. So, so Bob, you're saying that this is a very legitimate oh, point. It's totally and, legitimate. And, and, yeah. And so that, that that what I'm wondering is like how many actual like cartel members are in this country, and that do people get fingerprinted at the border when they're admitted, or they just anybody? Well, they, that they have to be apprehended first if, if they're trying to sneak if in. Coming through legally, they right. get fingerprinted. They go through the process, but right. if they don't go through right. the assigned sectors that you have to apply through then we have no way of knowing. Now, I I do have this from the DEA. Um, uh, New Orleans, Las Las Zetas cartels, the only Mexican cartel that uses New Orleans as a hub. Dallas, uh, that that cartel is the the only Mexican cartel there. Uh, They also have uh, cartels with headquarters in Laredo, Detroit, Houston, Oklahoma City, El Paso, and New York City. So are those are those Mexican cartels? Mexican Mexican uh, drug cartels. That, so there's a pipeline, basically. Right. Okay. Interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah. Human so, trafficking cartels. And that's according to the yeah. DEA. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's get another call on. Uh, this is Mr. Wingnut. Mr. Nut, go ahead. Go. You're on Talkback with Peter and Bob. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, good morning. And maybe I uh, part of this will be probably just a reiteration of things that have been said, but. Unless I am missing something, you know, when uh, Peter Stark, I guess his name is, was talking about the different percentages through the uh, through our history, uh, it, it's like apples and oranges, because he was talking about uh, immigration numbers 
versus what we have now is a you know, basically an alien invasion. And I, you know, we're, I'm sure we're on in agreement that immigration is important. It's vitally important to our country. You know, my grandparents were immigrants. My wife was an immigrant. But, the, you know, if we look at the difference between immigration and an alien invasion, you know, you have supposedly control over uh, various factors with immigration. You can control, you know, who comes in and how much come in. You have uh, hopefully the ability to to allow for a period of assimilation versus, let's say, dissimulation, balkanization, tribalism, which is what the current system will lead to. You have the ability to uh, check for health issues like tuberculosis, um, with which you don't with an alien invasion. One of the criteria used to be that an immigrant had needed to be assessed for the ability to take care of themselves and not become a ward of the state. Um, and you talk about humanitarianism. Well, to steal from people at the point of a gun and to give to another is not really humanitarianism. Um, so that's kind of some of my thoughts that came to my mind. Okay, thanks for the call. With that, we're up against a break, so you guys okay. can respond to that, uh, Mr. Nutt, when we come back. And we also have Jeff, who is on the line, and several other phone lines open. Uh, you guys you, you really appreciate all your comments. We're going to come right back. We have about 18 minutes left in our time together, and we'll be back after this. Small. Okay, we are back. This is Talkback, 721-1290. That's uh, the number. And we have several phone lines open now. Thanks for all of your comments. Uh, Peter Peter Stark joining us here in the studio, our adventure historian, uh, looking at uh, things from an historic and historic and historic uh, perspective. Instead of yeah, it, whatever one works for me. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob Seidenschwartz also with us with the Montana World Affairs Council. Oh, let's get Jeff on the line. Jeff, good morning. You're on Talkback. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, there's so much to talk about here, so many points to be made, but I want to make something I haven't heard before. Um, and that's, I've, you know me, I'm the furthest from a conspiracy theorist that you'll find. I mean, all, I don't, I don't believe in any of them. I don't follow any of them. I try to convince people otherwise. I've recently started reading an uh, author, a uh, guy named uh, James uh, Finley, or James Lindsay, I'm sorry, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. And he wrote a book recently called The Marxification of Education. And in there, he draws a line from the radicals of the 1960s and 1970s, the Weathermen, the Students for Democratic Society, uh, the um, uh, Black Panthers. He draws a line from their Marxist roots all the way to the present education system. And I'm bringing this up in in regards to immigration for this reason, that critical theory is the whole basis of Marxism. And anything that has critical in it is called, uh, is a Marxist philosophy. And there's something that got introduced after the failure of the revolutions in the 1970s called critical pedagogy, which is basically how to teach our children uh, Marxist ideas. And we have a a whole host, we have 40 years, probably close to 50 years now, of kids getting raised in an environment that has become increasingly Marxist. And part of that whole purpose of, of the education system 
is to raise people who believe in Marxist ideas. And part of Marxism is to bring down the existing structure. When you hear people wanting to change, you know, the way things are, uh, they, that's what they have to do. We have to destroy what exists first. Wait, hey, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to jump in here, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, hang Jeff on. I'm going to jump in here. Can you tell me what this has to do with, edu- with uh, immigration? I was just about to, to make that. Oh, okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Part of bringing down the American system is overwhelming the immigration system. And so what we've done is we've opened up the borders. We've allowed people with no documentation to come in with diseases that we cannot control anymore. We've raised measles. We have tuberculosis on the rise. We have, uh, we have terrorists coming in over the borders. We have all these people. And behind it all is a concerted effort that started years ago to, to destroy the United States as a as a uh, federal republic, a repu- uh, constitutional republic, and replace it with Marxism. And and there's a line that I and I know I sound crazy when I'm saying this because I sound crazy to my own mind. But as I read this author James Lindsay, he makes a compelling case that that what we have now is is a problem, and and immigration is just a part of it. It's a visible symptom. We're, we're overwhelming. A, you know, the points everybody else has made uh, in terms of overwhelming an entitlement system and uh, and uh, bringing all sorts of problems in. But the purpose is to bring down the United States. There is not, this is not an accident. This is not a benign uh, effect that we could not foresee. This, there's a concerted effort by people on the left who are Marxists to do this, to destroy so, this so country. Jeff, let's, one of the ways they're going to do it is through immigration. Jeff, let's let Jeff... I mean, Peter, address okay. some of the <laughs> Jeff and Jeff, and who are we? Jeff, uh, thanks, Jeff, thanks for your comments. I, I, I think I know who I am yeah. still. Yeah, okay. Thanks for the call. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for, yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, this is Peter. Um, yeah, interesting point that, that you know, certainly there's been a lot of concern and talk about education being, being liberal, leftist, um, especially higher education. Um, that, and the idea that, I mean, it's that uh, I'll have to look up that author, uh, James Lindsay, the Marxification of education. Um, that that the point that you raised that there is this kind of concerted cabal of I don't know who that are trying to bring down this country is a mystery to me because I don't know who you're talking about and uh, like are they all coordinated together trying to do this? I just, I just, I can't wrap my head around that idea. Just a a couple of quick comments. And this is really kind of looking at it historically. America has a great capacity to go and lose its mind for periods of time and then Mm self-correct. So if if we give way to what this gentleman is saying in terms of this cabal and what's attempting to be happening, let's even give some weight to it. If that's the case and what we're seeing at the border, what I'm also seeing is the pushback against it. At the same time, people recognizing we have a broken immigration system, recognizing all the issues that we've raised here. I see some self-correction in the process, even if Biden administration screwed it up early on, whether it was for political purposes or just coming to recognize it's a mess. Or just incompetence. Or just incompetence. They are attempting to address that incompetency. And, And that is why we have things called 
election. Exactly. <laughs> where where yeah. you, you, can, you can get the person that you believe uh, is the most competent person to run whatever it is, the government, the, 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 the nation, the state, the city, the whatever. And then you get out and work for that person and you and you get people and, and you talk and you compel and you uh, convince and 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 you, and you become a citizen uh, uh, in, in trying to make your your country a better place to live. Crises are opportunities historically for right. us yeah. to yeah. self-correct. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're going to come right back. We have a one minute timeout. We have Harry and Wingnut both back on. <laughs> So, so stay with us. We're going to come right back, and we only have about eight minutes left. So we haven't solved the problems of the world yet, but we're working on it. So we're, we're going to come right back after this one-minute timeout. Honey, would you... Okay, we're back. Yeah. This is Talk Back, and we only have about eight minutes left okay. uh, in our time together with Peter Stark and Bob Seidenschwartz. Harry is back for another quick comment. So, Harry, go ahead. What's on your mind? Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, I just... Uh a few points that I was going to make that, that lost my mind. But first of all, I went out of my mind. But uh, if, first of all, just to Jeff, if you're going to say, I don't believe in conspiracies, that's the last thing you should say about it. Because if you say but, then you just throw the rest out. But anyway, uh, the, I was just wondering, throughout history, uh, the country, have, it seems to me that they've used the same arguments against immigration, disease, crime, you know, jobs, all that. And, and it, uh, yeah, you hear it all again. Now it's just well. It's now now it's different, but it seems like it's the same old argument. And it, uh, to me, it seems like they play on basic human xenophobia. We always it's a, you know it's uh, just a fact that humans have a tendency to be afraid of the other. Those those are different from us, and it seems like you know this is a perfect thing. Trump wrote it all the way into the White House. So I mean, it's it's uh, one of those arguments that it just plays right into our basic uh, uh, fears of, in life. So. All right. Thanks. Well, think, think of that. Thanks for the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah Harry, uh, good, good, good point. Thanks for that. All right. Uh, go ahead, Bob. Oh, no, just uh, very right. quickly. Harry brings up points. With, look, that's as old as humankind. What we're seeking to do is break, excuse me, fix a system that may be broken. Try to reduce, because those thoughts, those feelings are going to be there. But if we can eliminate the outcomes to where you can't engage your xenophobia, Build it to a point of what we're seeing right now. You'll still feel certain ways, but I want to take some of the steam out of your argument by saying, no, we have done a lot to fix our broken immigration system. We have beefed up the security, the legitimacy of not having an open border and having control over who comes in. We see results. I'm looking for results that have been long in coming that still need a lot of work. Okay. Uh, oh, go ahead, Peter. Okay, yeah, uh, the, uh, yeah, Harry's point about a basic xenophobia, which I think it is part of human nature to have this fear, uns- of, others. A, a fear of others or uncertainty about someone who's strange. You're not, not like what, me. You're not like me. So, right. uh, yeah, that's that undeniably, in my mind, a part of human nature. <laughs> that I, I think one thing that happens with this um, immigration argument, and I think probably uh, not only now but I uh, suspect in the past, is that it – it's it's in a way we can blame all these other problems we're having on immigration. So it's like, are we addressing all the other problems too? Is it? I mean, is immigration to blame for everything that's gone wrong or is wrong or needs fixing in this country? Which it's not. It's certainly a problem. But there are a whole lot of other issues that we could be dealing with that don't have anything to do with immigration. But we do have some more calls yeah. coming in. So let's get Emmett. Emmett hasn't been on yet. Emmett, good morning. You're on with Peter and Bob. Go ahead. Well, thanks for taking my call. Well, I agree about xenophobia, you know, fear of the other. People have been afraid of me because I'm Catholic. 
Emmett, do you, do you have a question? We're running short of time here. I think you got. I, I think we I, lost I, Emmett. I, I think we lost him. Hello. Oh, okay. okay. Oh well. Sorry, we're, we're having some. Uh, we've had a couple of issues with the phones this morning, so I apologize for that. Yeah. I think it's a conspiracy yeah, it against, must be. Where, it must against be. what we're saying. Anyway. So we've got a couple of minutes. So, so Peter, kind of give your overall summation of what we've been discussing here today and what we're trying to really kind of message to our audience and, and members of the community. I think in general, it's it, let's try to think of this in in the historical perspective of what our country is and how it was founded and the arc that it's followed for the last we, the, we, have, we have our phones back up okay so okay okay there we go Emmett, quickly go ahead what's on your mind okay what i was going to say is i was born and raised in tucson arizona i know the crime situation not all illegal immigrants are better legal but there was crime and violence associated with illegal immigrants Tucson, Arizona was filled with a lot of gang crime. There were a lot of drugs. And I went to violent schools like Wakefield that had a lot of crime, a lot of immigrants. Look, I've experienced this personally, so it's not a straw man argument to talk about a crime or disease. You know, it's not racism or xenophobia when I lived it. And that's all I've got to say is that, you know, we do have to fix this broken immigration system because there are legal immigrants that do want to have a better life. But I just want to, as someone who has lived through it as a little kid, that's all I got to say. Okay. And it'll let some other calls come in. All right. Okay. Okay. okay, thanks, Emmett. All right, go ahead. Now, we have three minutes. Go. Oh. The, these are legitimate issues we have uh, recognized and acknowledged. People are dealing with the consequences of this. What we're looking for, you have to have solutions. They can be done. We have to get two parties together. They've been dealing with this question for decades. For decades. Not years, but decades. My gosh, you can put a, I hate to use the cliche, you can put a man on the moon, but you can't fix a system that you have solutions to. Now, Peter, you're an historian. Yes. So is it possible for you to cast forward and, and, and look back on today and how you would see it as an historian? That's a really good question. <laughs> I know, but, but, you know, if you look at the, at where we've been decade by decade by decade and in part with this immigration, that yes, we'll see this will be just one part of a much longer trend and moment. And it's not, I'm, I know it's not going to be a trend that breaks this country. I know we'll deal with it. I know we need to kind of do the hard work of figuring out how to we deal to with it. We have to slog through it. We have to slog through it. And yeah. and we have to, you know, our, our political system and our politicians have to realize this is a problem that's bipartisan. Everybody has to deal with it. And let's you know get down to it and and do something about it because it's the it's the stasis that makes I think all of us crazy is this feeling that that nothing's been done and not only now in this current administration but going back starting decades ago that George W. Bush tried to fix it and he got shot down in in uh, in Congress. Reagan before him, yeah. um, and there's always consequences to this. So, I, I, DACA. Didn't know this. They passed some legislation that gives this, you know, recognition to children born here, except to when they turn 21. Then the clock starts all over again. So as much as the issue is, as we see, there is a way to fix these issues. And that's what we want to leave you with is that um, there's a story. There's an arc here. So thank you very much. Real quick, Peter, where can we find your books? Uh, You can go to my website, peterstarkauthor.com, to 
learn about my books, but they're available, you oh. know, bookstores online. Right. They should. They're all, I hope they're all over the place. All right. <laughs> but gentlemen, thank you for the very rich conversation. We really appreciate it. And thanks to all of you folks. You guys made it made it exciting, and we really appreciate you being here with us. Okay, so Mr. Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program, sir? Uh, we'll have open phones from 8 to 8.30, and then uh, Dr. Patrick Barkey, 30 to 10. All right. A fountain of information there as well when it comes to economics. That's uh, Dr. Uh, Peter Barkey. He's going to be with us tomorrow. So get out there and enjoy this beautiful day. Uh, uh, if, if you have snow in the driveway, don't hurt yourself. By uh, Just be careful, Bob. All right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 with Ace.